Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Can you know something and still not believe it to be true? It is a weird question, I know, but think about it like this. Lots of people know about the moon landing, but some of those do not believe it to be true. They believe it to be an elaborate hoax, a fancy movie production shot in a studio. Just about everybody knows about the tragedy of September 11th, and yet there are people who do not believe it actually happened the way they have been told. They do not believe that terrorists actually did it. They believe that some other sinister governmental conspiracy was afoot. They know, but they do not believe. Now, their disbelief does not make it any less true. It just shows that they will not let the facts get in the way of what they believe. It is easy to shake our heads at these fools, isn't it? Terms like nut job and conspiracy theory wacko very easily come to mind and just kind of roll off the tongue. We hear their foolishness and very quickly dismiss them and their crazy ideas. And yet, could it not be said that at some times in our lives, we too are guilty of knowing and not believing? I am not talking about conspiracy theories or anything like that. Just consider how often something bad has happened to you. And understand that I am not talking about something as horrific as September 11th. I am not even necessarily talking about something as tragic and heartrending as the death of a loved one. I'm talking about your big plans simply not working out the way you want or expect them to. Something like job loss or a bounce check or less than favorable news from the doctor. I'm talking about healing or rehab that does not go fast as you want it to. I'm talking about the depression and sadness that takes hold when you are faced with the ugly fact that you cannot do what you used to be able to do, and you'll never be able to do it again. I know that can mess you up. It is, it is sad, and, but something as relatively minor as a parking ticket or losing your parking spot at Walmart or a flat tire or running out of milk for your cereal, if you are caught on the wrong day, can send you over the edge into despair and depression. Why, God? Why me? Why do you hate me? So finish this sentence. God works all things for the good of those who... You know it, but do you actually believe it? Be careful before you answer. Because the words and your deeds of your daily life do sometimes contradict you and indict you in your unbelief. When all those bad and depressing and less than ideal things happen to us, we know that God loves us. But it is not always easy to believe, is it? And here is the thing. This is nothing new. It is not like we are the first Christians in all of history who have had to struggle with doubt and despair and depression. I know it is hard to believe, but 21st century Western Christians are not the first people in all of history to struggle with faith upon encountering the dark clouds and obstacles of life. 
Plagues, pandemics, wars, rumors of wars, corrupt government, political unrest has all been around for a long time. And it'll be around a long time after you're gone. In fact, much of what we struggle with today can be chalked up to the first world problems. We ran out of milk. The checking account is a little low. The internet connection is slow. GCI just cut off the internet. And as I said before, even these relatively small first world problems can cause all kinds of doubt and despair and worry and unbelief. We are not the first people to struggle with actually believing what we know. Just consider the apostles. The words our Lord speaks to them in our gospel lesson today are the words he first spoke to them on Maundy Thursday evening, mere hours before he would be betrayed, arrested, beaten, scourged, and condemned to be nailed to a wretched cross. As bad as all of that was, let us not forget that he spoke these words to the very same people who would deny him, abandon him, grieve him. The very same people who dared to boldly call himself his faithful disciples, his most loyal followers and believers. They even said at that Last Supper that they would never abandon Jesus. They would all stand and fight with him to the bitter end if they had to. And this is important to point out. How long did these gents spend with Jesus? About three years. How often did Jesus make explicitly clear not only who he was, but why he was here? The Son of Man must suffer and die, and on the third day, rise again. Just like the serpent in the wilderness was lifted up, so too must the Son of Man be lifted up. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. These guys knew all this stuff like the back of their hand, and yet, when it came down to it, they did not believe it. You cannot argue it either. If they did believe, they would not have been hiding behind locked doors on Easter Sunday in great fear and despair. They would not have been walking to Emmaus with such heavy and downcast hearts. We thought he was the one, but he was crucified. They would have been at that tomb that Sunday morning, eager to greet him and rejoice at his resurrection. None of that happened, though, did it? Their actions spoke louder than their words. Their fruits contradicted their bold confession. And this is why I love Christ's words of comfort and peace that he speaks at the end of this lesson. He knows how things are about to go down. He is God. He is omniscient. He knows. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Take heart, for I have overcome the world. Let that sink in for a moment. Jesus spoke these words before everything terrible would go down. Notice he never gives them a false hope or false assurances. He never tells them that if they just have a little more faith or better faith or pray a little harder, that bad things won't happen. And life will be a steady stream of rainbows, glitter, stickers, and unicorns. 
No, he loves them enough to tell them the truth. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, which could be better translated as be of good cheer, be courageous and persevere on, for I have already overcome the world. I have already overcome. I have already won. Jesus was telling them that in him it was already finished. It was a done deal. And that was not mere bravado or confidence speaking. Jesus was not talking like we so often talk, boasting about what we're going to do. No, this was God speaking. In the Old Testament prophecies, we would call this prophetic perfect, which means that the event still lies in the future. But from God's perspective, it is already a past tense reality. That is how sure and certain it is. It is already a done deal for God. Be of good cheer. Be courageous. Be at peace. Take heart in your tribulation, for I have already won. It is finished. And nothing has changed in all of these years. Your Lord and Savior speaks these words to you this very day and in your presence. Be at peace. Be of good cheer even in the midst of your tribulations and cross-bearings. For Christ has already won the victory. The very same victory he himself has baptized you into. The very same victory that he himself brings to you today in the real and tangible forms of his own resurrected and victorious body and blood. I am with you always, for better or worse, in sickness and in health, for richer or poorer, fat, skinny, ugly, pretty, thick, thin, until death reunites us in all heavenly peace and joy, body and soul complete, world without end. I know you know it already, but as I said a few minutes ago, knowing and believing can be two very different things. I cannot make you believe this and actually be at peace and actually have joy even as you bear your crosses and suffer your tribulations. But God can. In fact, he wants nothing more than for all to hear and believe. That is to hear and to know for certain and without a doubt that he lives. The victory is won and we belong to him. Because of Christ Jesus, we can have the full confidence and peace that we are God's precious children. And he is your gracious, merciful, and all-loving Father, always working all things for your good and for your salvation, always leading you to love him and trust in him above all things. Here he is. Here is your peace that surpasses all understanding. Here is your victory, your joy, your blessed assurance. Here is the rock-solid foundation of your faith. Here is Christ Jesus, with you, for you, now and always. Amen. And may this peace that surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting.